Hey, the word I have for today is the word significant. I believe that today is going to be a significant Sunday in your life. I believe that this is going to be a significant sermon in your life. Because here's the deal, I've heard lots of amazing, life-changing sermons throughout the course of my life, but two sermons stand out above the rest when it comes to significance. The, the first sermon was a sermon I heard on a fateful night in Boulder, Colorado 14 years ago where I raised my hand and I said, I want to follow Jesus. It was a significant sermon in my life. The second sermon that was significant in my life was the day I heard somebody get up and explain what I'm going to try to explain to us today. Today we're answering the question, hey, what do I do after I raise my hand? Like, what are my next steps? Because here's the deal, 55 of you raised your hand on Easter Sunday, just two weeks ago, to say, hey, I'm ready to follow Jesus. But I don't know if you experienced this. If you did, you're in good company with the rest of us. You get in your car out in the parking lot and you go, now I get heaven forever and this is amazing, but like, what do I do? Right, like I'm still me and I'm still here and I still have those family issues that I'm trying to deal with and I still have those bills that I have to pay and I still have that anger thing going on in this parking lot. It's not helping that anger thing very much. Like what do I do next? Today I wanna answer that question because here's the thing. There are um, a couple of different groups of people in this room right now. Some of you are here because you're just starting to ask the deeper questions about who God is trying to figure out if you want to follow Jesus. And if that's you, I'm so glad you're here. This is going to be a significant sermon in your life because I wanna give you a behind the scenes look into what it looks like to follow Jesus Monday through Saturday. Others of you are here and you have just raised your hand in the last few weeks, few months, and if that's you, my goodness, would you take notes today? This sermon is for you. I wanna get you equipped to move forward from here. But then, there is a whole other group of people in this room, and if I'm being honest, you have been on my heart the most this week, and it's the group of people going, ah, oh, here we go. Like, I, I know all of this stuff, because somehow, we, we do this thing as humans where we feel like we've like maxed out an infinite God, you know? And, and I just, I, I, I feel like one of the reasons I'm on this earth is to help people see that whether you've been following God for six days, six weeks, six months, or six years, or six decades, the truth is you've only just begun. So my prayer all week is that you would realize that today. You've only just begun. In fact, that is the title of today's sermon. So turn to your neighbor and say, hey, you've only just begun. And you can take a seat. My voice sounds terrible, I'm aware of that. Allergies are just crushing me this week, so bear with me. Uh, you've only just begun. Have you ever gotten to the end of a season of life and experienced that existential crisis of not knowing what to do next? It's like when you finish your favorite show, when you watch the series finale of your favorite show, it's such an emotional experience because if it's done well, you're, you're happy about it and, and you're glad that it's wrapping up, but you're also really sad and really, if you're being honest, at, at a core deep level, you're like, well, what am I gonna do now, right? It's like an existential crisis. The, the first time I remember experiencing that, I was in first grade 
My brother was in third grade, and uh, we lived in Indiana. We moved around a lot growing up, but for two years, we lived in Indiana, and it was great because all the kids on our street were our same age. All of our backyards were connected, so we just spent every evening uh, and afternoon playing sports outside. So all spring, we would be playing baseball, and all throughout the summertime, we'd be playing basketball, and all throughout the fall, we'd be playing football. But then there were three other months in Indiana that were really tough. Talking about winter, and if you've only ever lived in Austin, think about what happened last year for like three days, remember when it snowed, but then play that out for three months, and that's what winter in Indiana was like. So there was only like so much time where, where we could have snowball fights and build snow forts. Eventually, it's like, hey, okay, we, it's like so cold out here, I just want to go inside. We used to play one-on-one basketball in our driveway in the wintertime, but the nets would freeze, you know, and so the, every time you make a shot, the ball gets stuck in the net, so we had a broom, like, right next to the hoop, and we'd have to, every single time, eventually, we just went inside. Well, around that time, we got our hands on a gaming system called a Super Nintendo. Who am I preaching to right now? <laughs> Mario Party. We had Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball. We had Madden 94, and we had my favorite game, Donkey Kong Country. Now, We get our hands on this game, Donkey Kong Country, and it has all these different levels and all these different stages that you have to try to get to, and you got to get to certain points to be able to save it, and if you run out of life, you got to start back from where you started, and so uh, a person like Doug and I, or competitive kids like Doug and I, getting our hands on this game, it became our life. Every day after school, during the wintertime, we're playing Donkey Kong Country. We're trying to beat it. We're strategizing during school. I've always had a vivid imagination, so I'm like sitting in class, but thinking through the different episodes or different levels and trying to figure out how I'm going to beat different uh, levels. And the teacher's just looking at me like, this kid is not present here at all. What is going on? It's because my life was about trying to beat Donkey Kong Country. And then one fateful afternoon, we finally got to the, the very final boss, his name was King K. Rule, and we figured out a way to beat him, and we won the game, and I'm telling you, my basement erupted in applause, and we're cheering, and we're jumping, and we're screaming, and we're hugging, and one kid's doing like a Jericho run around the basement. It's absolute chaos. And we watched the credits roll as tears stream down our face. <laughs> and then the game just restarts. And we're looking at each other like, what do we do now? I'm having like a full-on like Ecclesiastes, everything is just meaningless moment, you know? One kid's like, well, now we can play any level we want. And we're looking at him like, well, yeah, but we've already, we've already won. And so I guess life is just meaningless. Well, here's my spiritual transition is there is a big difference between video games and God. See, games are finite. God is infinite. Games have a beginning and an end. God is the beginning and the end. So following Jesus is not something that we just finish. Like, oh yeah, I did that. I raised my hand and now I'm good. Following Jesus is like swimming in an infinite ocean of love and grace and mercy. And there is always more to discover, which means no matter what stage of your spiritual journey you are on, you've only just begun. So when you raised your hand, and said, hey, I'm ready to follow Jesus, you took a great first step. Today I wanna talk about the next step, and the next step, 
and the next step and the journey that you are embarking on as you learn to, to be more like Jesus, to look more like Jesus and to love more like Jesus. And I wanna do it all by preaching out of one verse primarily. It's Matthew chapter four and verse 17. If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter four and verse 17, this is Jesus, it's about Jesus, it says this, from that time, Jesus began to preach. Now, before I show you Jesus' opening line, a little bit of context. This is the beginning of Matthew's gospel, the beginning of the story of Jesus. If you go back and read Jesus' story this week, you'll realize Matthew 1 through 4, you get the Christmas story, so Jesus' birth. Then you get a time jump of 30 years where all of a sudden Jesus is 30 years old. So real quick, if you're in here and you're like, I feel like God's timeline is moving a lot slower than I want it to. Yeah, it's kind of the, the process in the Bible. God spends a lot of time getting us ready and equipping us and helping us get tools in our tool belt to get ready for the next season of life that we're about to step into. But then Jesus gets baptized. And as he gets baptized, um, like some of you are going to do on, on May 22nd, he comes out of the water and the heavens open and the father says, that is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And I just wanna point out real quick that before Jesus did any of his ministry, before he opened any blind eyes, before he cleansed any lepers, before he fixed any broken relationships, before he went to the cross, before he went any, did any of that, the father looked at him and said, I love you, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And I wonder if there are some people in the room today or watching online today that need to hear me say that before you go out and do a bunch of things this week, you have a sweet invitation from God just to be a son, a daughter who is already loved, not because you're about to go out and do a bunch of good things, but just because of who you are. That's the context of this verse. And then Jesus goes out into the wilderness and he's going through it for 40 days which by the way, wilderness usually is the thing that happens right before the, the greater ministry begins to happen. So if you feel like you're getting attacked from all sides right now in life, may it be that God's getting you ready to step into the next level of your ministry and the next level of your anointing. And so all of that happens. And then Matthew 4, it says, from that time, Jesus began to preach. So this is Jesus's opening line. I get to uh, work with a lot of authors and help them craft their books. And what I've realized over the years is that the opening line is everything. The opening line is super important. I've had dinners that are, that are just for trying to figure out the first line of a book. Like the entire thing is us brainstorming what, how we should start because when you get the first line, the rest of the book flows from there. Well, let's look at Jesus's very first line. He says this, repent. Now, I just lost some of you. Some of us need a little bit of religion rehab from this word repent. Repent just means to turn, to change your thinking. But, but maybe your whole life you, you were taught repent just means to turn away from a bunch of things. So Jesus came to earth to say, here's all the things you can no longer say, the places you can no longer go, the things you can no longer do. Do your best. Good luck. We'll see you in heaven. Right? Like as if Jesus is just saying, turn away from all the fun stuff, peace. 
That's not the entire verse, though, is it? Jesus doesn't just tell us to turn from something. He invites us to turn towards something. Repent, Jesus says. Why? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is the spiritual journey, the Christian journey um, in the, the most basic form that I can explain it. It's this ongoing, lifelong invitation to stop thinking about the kingdom of me and start thinking about the kingdom of heaven, right? Because right now, there is a throne in your heart, let's just say, metaphorically, right? A throne in your heart, and my question to you is right now, as you came to church this morning, who is sitting on that throne in your heart? Are you sitting on the throne in your heart? Are you trying to build the kingdom of me? Or, like the song that we just sang, are you allowing Jesus to sit on the throne of your heart? Are you trying to build the kingdom of heaven? This is the move you made when you, uh, when you put your faith in Jesus. When you raised your hand, you said, I'm done trying to build my kingdom. I'm ready to build God's kingdom. But then, the rest of your life, turns into an ongoing process, an endless invitation to keep making this shift. Because let's be honest, the human heart doesn't go down without a fight, right? Like every human is just so naturally prone to want to build their own kingdom. I don't think I even need to, to try to justify this. It's just true. Like when I watch Doug and Ethan's, they both have uh, three-year-olds, Will and Zeke, and they're amazing when they'll, they'll be out playing together in Ethan's backyard and, and they'll be doing great until one of them takes a toy, right? There'll just be a toy sitting there and the other one's not playing with it at all until the other one takes it. Then all of a sudden they're like, my kingdom is under attack. Like I need to go get, I didn't care about this toy until he cared about this toy. Now all of a sudden I care about this toy, right? And so Doug and Ethan, like so much of their job right now is like, hey, let's, you take a turn and then you take a turn. I don't have a dog in the fight, so I just egg it on the whole time. I'm like, yeah, go get that back. <laughs> um, we're, we're born into this, and we're so prone to start to think about the kingdom of me again. And by the way, this is why God's grace is just so great. So I'm just so thankful for the cross, that everything else that we're about to talk about today, just know you're covered. When you put your faith in Jesus, we get full coverage. Romans 8.1 says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we got to start there because I just feel like the fear of hell is one of the things that slows us down from spiritual growth. We spend all of our time worrying, oh, I started thinking about myself again. Am I okay? The answer is yes. Eternally speaking, yes. However, there is this endless invitation to turn from the kingdom of me and turn back to the kingdom of heaven. So when something, when a situation happens, you can stop asking, how is this going to uh, affect me? And you can start asking, how can this impact the kingdom? You can stop asking, what am I going to get out of this? And you can start asking, what am I going to give out uh, of this? You can stop asking, how is this going to build my platform? And you can start asking, how is this going to build God's platform? How is this going to make Jesus's name beautiful? It's an endless process of repenting, of turning, and realizing that there is a much better way to live. So for these last few minutes, what I want to do is give you four exercises or spiritual disciplines that men and women have been practicing for thousands of years that help aid in this process. 
four things. It's like four um, drills. When I, I grew up playing basketball and we always had practice, but we didn't just play five on five for every practice. We did shooting drills and ball handling drills and defensive drills and we talked through, through plays, right? Because we knew if we practice these things, then we're gonna be much better in the game. Well, the four things I wanna give you today are kind of like drills that you can do to help your heart posture move from building the kingdom of me to building the kingdom of heaven. And so I'm gonna fly through these four real quick, just so you know, we put together a 35-day devotional called Starter Pack that is available in the Merch Mart free of charge, of course, that is going to take a much deeper dive into these four things, and we have a Bible there for you as well. Please do not be shy. You guys, if this sermon is speaking to you, go get one of those Starter Packs. Spend the next 35 days. Hey, today's, today's May 1st, right? Spend all of May just going through this starter pack and just watch how much different your life is at the beginning of June. That's my challenge for you. So here we go. The first one is scripture. Scripture, scripture is God's word. Hebrews 4.12 says it this way, for the word of God is alive and active. I love this imagery. Sharper than any double-edged sword. And anyone who's spent a significant amount of time reading scripture can say amen to this. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. God is like a master heart surgeon. And the word of God is the scalpel that he uses to, to go in there and do some of the heavy lifting that needs to be done. When you take time to read the Bible, what you're going to see over and over again is this invitation to turn to repent from the kingdom of me and start living towards the kingdom of heaven. It's like Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son, where this father has two sons and the youngest son goes, hey, I want my inheritance now. In other words, he's going, I, I, I'm tired of trying to build that kingdom. I wanna build the kingdom of me. And the father gives it to him and he goes off and he, he spends it all trying to build his kingdom and it's really, really fun until it's not. By the way, it tends to be the case with the kingdom of me. It's really fun until it's not. He wakes up one morning surrounded by pigs. By the way, that's how you know it's, it's, it's getting bad. When the pigs are looking at, the, at you like, this human needs to get his life together. What's, what's going on? And he realizes, man, I've been trying to build my own kingdom and it's not working. I need to go back to my father. And as he goes back, he's rehearsing his, his speech and He's gonna say like, dad, I'm, I've messed up so much. I wanna be back, but I know I've made so many mistakes. Let me just, I'll be back from a distance. I'll stand over here. And if you know the story, the loving father runs to him and meets him halfway and gives him the biggest hug and embraces him and is like, get back in the kingdom. This is amazing. Are you kidding me? My son has returned. It's time to throw a party. It's the gospel it's beautiful, and the more that I read it, the more I fall in love with it because I resonate with this younger son who's prone to try to build his own kingdom, but then I read that story and I realize, oh yeah, oh yeah, today I wanna be about the kingdom of heaven. There's a second son in the story as well, though, and see, this is, this is where the spiritual journey can get a little complicated sometimes. The second son never left. The second son never did anything wrong. The second son never did anything bad. In fact, he's out in the field working during this party. 
and he hears the, the music and the dancing, and he's like, what's going on over there? And one of the guys is like, hey, your, your brother's back, and we're, we're partying. Come join us. And he won't go in. And this is the tricky part about following Jesus, because it can be really easy to start doing a really good job, and then start thinking that you're the one that's allowing yourself to do a really good job, and then to start getting really prideful about how good of a job you are doing at, at, at following Jesus. And it's a trap that I've fallen into several times, right? The older brother is going, I don't wanna go into the party because like, when, is, when are people going to throw a party for me? When are people going to celebrate me? When are people going to tell me that I'm doing a good job? Now, what does that sound like? It's just a twisted version of the kingdom of me. See how that works? And I'm, I'm not throwing stones. I, this is, I've been here so many times in my life. By the way, when salvation starts to get boring to you, when other people's salvation starts to get boring to you, it's a really good warning sign that you're drifting. I've been there, okay? Hey, the older brother goes, I can't go back into the party. And the father goes, my son, everything I have is yours and you are always with me. Why? Because the invitation to repent is always readily available even to the self-righteous older brother, right? The invitation's always here for all of us. I'll say it like this. Uh, years ago, I was at a, a seminary and there was a, a scholar there who was like a legend. He passed away about seven years ago, but two years before he passed away, I got lunch with him because he also came to the church that I was working at. So me and a couple of the other pastors, we had all these theological questions that we were starting to ask. And so we asked him to get lunch with us and he shows up and he just brings this big old Bible. It's like that big. And he throws it down on the, no, it doesn't throw it down on the table. He puts it down on the table and he goes, ask away, ask anything. And you guys, for two hours, like a master of the craft, he's flipping back and forth, Old Testament, New Testament, those minor prophets that I haven't read in two years, right? He's like circling things and he's showing us things. He's connecting everything together. He's answering all of our questions so beautifully. It was amazing. At the end of our time, as the check is coming, we, um, we you, know, you know those times where the, you can tell the waiter wants you to move on, you know, and you're like, I'm sorry, I just, this guy's answering all these questions, I gotta keep asking. Finally, we're like, okay, we, we need to get out of here. And my buddy asks him, he goes, hey, um, why do you come to our church? <laughs> right, because like, there's no way we're teaching you anything on Sunday. You're so much better at all of this than all of us. Like, why are you coming to our church? And I will never forget his answer for as long as I lived, without skipping a beat, he smiled and said, people are getting saved. It's happening, so I'm here to help however I can. I just wanna be a part of the kingdom of heaven moving forward. And as amazing as his Bible knowledge was, you know what was way more impressive to me was his heart posture. Uh, a, a man who has laid down the kingdom of me for so long that he just doesn't care anymore. He doesn't have any ego in the whole thing. He doesn't have any like need for everybody else to see how much he knows. He just wants to see people getting saved. Hey, to the Bible scholar in the room whose love has grown cold, would you let that picture be your North Star? And maybe that's just to, to me, but can we let this be our North Star? Salvation is, always has been, and always will be the thing that we party for.
Let's keep moving. Uh, number two is prayer. Prayer is one of the best ways. Man, when I start thinking about the kingdom of me too much, I, always, like, I, I just need to stop and, and pray, right? Because prayer is communicating with God, and communication is the key to any good relationship. I know this because I once got asked to do premarital counseling for a couple, which is funny because relationships have just never really been a, a desire of mine, so I've never really had one, which means I'm the last person who should ever do premarital counseling. So this couple comes up to me on a Sunday evening. This was like seven years ago. They go, hey, um, we're getting married in a few months. Would you, do our, 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 would you officiate our wedding? And I was like, absolutely, I'd be honored. And they're like, okay, would you do our premarital counseling? And I was like, ah, uh, you know, like, you know. <laughs> and they, they look at me and they're like, no, yeah, we know, we just, we love your sermons. I was like, thank you, but also, like, this isn't that, you know? <laughs> and they go, no, it'll be fun. Let's just do it. All right. This is a true story. So they come to my office. They sit down, and I go, okay, so marriage. <laughs> um, <laughs> I go, here's what you need to know. Communication is key. <laughs> and I'm expecting them to, like, start scribbling and, like, writing down, like, oh, my God. Right? Instead, they look at me like, yeah, yeah, no, I keep going. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, that's all I got. <laughs> you know? Like something about the love languages and, and communicate. <laughs> so I literally told him, I go, hey, Tim Keller wrote this great book called The Meaning of Marriage. I'm going to order us a couple copies. We're going to read it together. And we did, and it ended up being this great thing. I tell you all that to say, even I know that when it comes to relationships, communication is key. Now, Religion is God is somewhere out there and we need to do a bunch of good things to, to be with him. The story of the Bible is that God went to great lengths to come be with us because he desires to have a relationship with us. And he created a way for us to communicate in that relationship. We call it prayer. We can do it anytime, anywhere. Father, I'm speaking to a whole bunch of people right now trying to explain the kingdom of heaven to them. Would you give me the words to say? Would you open their hearts to understand the beauty of your word, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All the time, all throughout the day, open invitation to communicate with your creator. About what? Anything. The Apostle Paul says it this way in Philippians 4. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, every situation, by prayer and petition. I love this word, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. The big things and the small things, talk to God about them. The great things and the hard things, talk to God about them. The exciting things and the scary things. Just start talking to God about everything. I tell you what happens in my life is I'll usually have like a whole laundry list of things that I'm worried about and I start talking to God about them and somewhere about halfway through the prayer, I realize that a lot of the reason that I'm so anxious about all these things is because all of them are me trying to build the kingdom of me. And I keep talking and we keep praying and I get that eternal perspective back and I realize, oh, 
I'm just here to build the kingdom of heaven, then all those things, will, they'll, they'll work out as they work out. But I'm here to say, God, would your kingdom come and would your will be done? Prayer takes us closer to the Father and it reminds us that no matter how far we've already come, the truth is we've only just begun. So scripture and prayer. Number three, I'm gonna say community. We were never meant to follow Jesus on our own. And, and full disclosure, when I start to isolate, like it's amazing to me how creative I get as I figure out ways to make the kingdom of me, like I dress it all up and disguise it to look like I'm doing God's work. It's this weird thing that we do, right? That's why I need other people in my life to call that out. I, uh, 14 years ago, when I raised my hand, a few months later, um, two guys named Brandon and Sam found Doug and Ethan and I, and they took a big chance on us, and they said, hey, we're starting this group, and we want you to join it. And then one year turned into two years, and two years turned into three years, and three years turned into four, and now still to this day, we try to spend three days together every single year because we're a group of people who trust each other. In fact, Doug and Ethan and I are getting on a plane in like five hours to go spend the next three days with them. And don't get me wrong, we're gonna have a lot of fun and we're gonna share a lot of laughs. We're also gonna work. When my time comes, I'm going to lay out everything that's going on in my heart. Everything I can think of, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because I trust them to speak into my life. I trust them to give me wisdom where I need wisdom, to, to, be, uh, to give me the ministry of presence where I just need the ministry of presence, to speak into my life with love, which by the way means grace, absolutely, but it also means truth because coming from them, I, I know where their heart's at and, and so I want them to show me what I'm not seeing, to point out my blind spots because we were never meant to follow Jesus on our own and I always Hesitate to share that story because I know that that doesn't always work out. Like groups don't always work out that way. So, so you know, I've been in lots of groups over my life. It's just that one of them has lasted 14 years. The other ones haven't. Some were, were really tough. Others were just good for a season and then they were over. And so if that's been your experience, can I just challenge you to keep trying, to keep going? Three, three quick things. One, it never would have happened. That group never would have happened if we hadn't been proactive. Trying to find community without being willing to be proactive is like trying to get into shape without being willing to work out. It's just not gonna happen. Number two, it was totally a God thing. And I know those two things sound like they contradict, but they don't. We need to be taking steps, but then also man, praying that God would bring you the right people in your life, I think is one of the purest prayers that you could ever pray. Number three, the reason we're still meeting 14 years later is because we've fought for it. And there have been plenty of opportunities for us to, to, to stop fighting for it, but we decided, no, we're gonna fight for this thing. So if you have friends in your corner, fight for them. If you have friends who are willing to carry your mat when you're down, carry theirs when they're down. And allow them to carry yours when you're down. Community brings us closer to God, and when we get around like-minded people, we realize the truth is we've only just begun in our journey to following Jesus. And the final one is worship. Number four, right now in heaven, there is a throne room 
And in Revelation, in, up in heaven, and in, in Revelation 4, we get a picture into what is going on in that throne room. It says, each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Don't worry about all that. We can talk about it some other time. Here's what I want you to hear. Day and night. <laughs> I'm looking at the clock just like, oh, God. <laughs> they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. In the throne room of heaven, there's no room for the kingdom of me because all of these beings and creatures and people are too busy at the throne that Jesus sits on going, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. How many of you were here on Tuesday night for the, the worship night? I showed up, if I'm being honest, carrying some stuff. I just had a, a really difficult Tough conversation, phone call with a friend. I was carrying that. And I had a deadline that I had to hit this week that I was stressed out about. I was carrying that. And somebody cut me off on the way to church. And if I'm being real, I was carrying that. I was standing right over there with, with these guys. And Corey, right before he sang Echo Holy, he had us like a choir sing the three-part harmony. And so we're all singing together as one voice. Echo, holy is the Lord. And it's really funny because it's like so hard for me just to sing a melody, you know? And Corey's like, so then you're gonna sing this third part. And I'm like, okay, I'm trying. I don't think I'm moving the ball forward here, but I'm doing my best. But as we keep singing together, echo, holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. Suddenly I start to realize that that tough conversation I had with my friend, yeah, it was heavy, yeah, it was hard, but in light of eternity, it's gonna be all right. And that deadline that I have to hit, yeah, it'll be tough, it'll be a lot of work, but in light of eternity, it's not that big of a deal. And that guy who cut me off, hey, that cost me two seconds of my day. You know, we get so frustrated about those things. Two seconds. And in light of eternity, I have an infinite amount of seconds left. So what am I worried about? I don't care about those two seconds, right? And so as we sing, it's like the kingdom of me just starts melting away as I get my heart back on God and realize what matters, that we are here and we exist to echo with all of creation, holy is the Lord. So I had a slightly different route that I was taking for this sermon um, for the last few weeks. And then um, last week, Doug and I's grandma passed away. Um, she was 95 years old, Esther Weckerman, and uh, just a saint. So one of, one of the best people. I have this, this such a vivid memory. I was 10 years old. We were in their office, and this lady came in who I could tell was down on her luck. My grandma pulled her aside and pulled her out of, out of earshot from us. My grandma was just talking to her, looking her straight in the eye, talking to her. And I could tell it was, it was love, but it was a little bit of that tough love. You know, and the, the lady's crying and she's, she's nodding her head. And this is going on for a few minutes. And then I just see my grandma just reach over and just give her the biggest hug. And then I wasn't supposed to see this, but I did. I glanced over and I see my grandma just pull out a $100 bill and just, just slip it to her, slide it to her. That's who my grandma was. Hospitable and generous like no one else. So beyond the kingdom of me, I'd laid that down so long ago that she was just ready. She was just ready to serve and, and, and be with people or to use Jesus' language to love her neighbor as herself. 
And so on Monday, Doug and I flew out to Michigan for the funeral, and I'm surrounded by lots of people telling lots of, of likewise stories about my grandma. And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there, and I realize something. As we're singing some of her favorite hymns, I realize that 95 years in, 95 years into building the kingdom of heaven, 95 years into love, generosity, and hospitality, 95 years into pursuing a relationship with Jesus, the truth is she's only just begun. Uh, that today she is more alive and free than she's ever been as she continues to echo with all of creation, holy is the Lord. And so I just felt like I needed to stand up here and say, for those of you who are considering following Jesus in this room, can I just tell you that your life has only just begun? And that this isn't just some story, it's true. The kingdom of heaven is at hand and there is a way to be a part of a story that is so much bigger than you. And to those of you who started following Jesus maybe in the last couple of weeks, the last couple of months, can I just encourage you to, to keep going, to press in because the truth is you've only just begun. Learn how to pray, learn how to read your Bible, get in community, start to worship every single day. Go get a starter pack and go through that. I'm telling you, it's going to change your life. To the person in the room who's been at it maybe for a couple of years now and you feel like God's calling you into this next step and you're a little nervous about it and maybe some people around you are, are telling you to have some caution and maybe think about the kingdom of, of you a little bit. Can I just be the one to tell you no? Hey, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's something so much more beautiful happening in this space, in this city, and in this world. And Jesus is inviting you into a journey telling you you've only just begun. And lastly, to the one who's been at it for a long time now and maybe has started to, to stall it out, stagnate it out, feeling like maybe this is it for you, can I just remind you and inspire you and encourage you and actually challenge you that you've only just begun. There's so much more that God wants to teach you and show you and that this infinite ocean of mercy and grace is an ocean that is, has so much space left to explore, so don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. You've only just begun. Would you guys stand to your feet with me as we echo holy is the Lord together as we sing this song I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you so Father God I thank you for every soul in this room I thank you for every soul watching online I pray right now in the name of Jesus Holy Spirit would you come Holy Spirit would you show us that there is more Holy Spirit would you remove any blocks that are, are, are blocking our river from continuing to flow right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that you remove bitterness. I pray that you remove unforgiveness. I pray right now that you would remove some anxiety in this space. I pray that you would remove some shame in this space. Would you remind us right now that you look at us and you say, that is my son, that is my daughter with whom I am well pleased. And as we echo with all of creation, holy is your name. Would you be glorified? Would you get all the glory today in Jesus' name?